Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, anyone from professional custodians all the way up to presidential candidates of international countries. One day, my big dream is to interview top-level leadership, currently in power and formerly, that are still alive on this earth today of the country that I was blessed to be born in, that people pray to get into on lists all around the world, the United States of America. Um, Haven't quite had that opportunity yet, but I believe anything is possible if our hearts are in the right place and our intentions are to help make the world a more loving and wholesome place. The purpose of this show and the, and the purpose of Move Happy, our mission is to help empower you to find happiness from within, especially if you are struggling with depression. Uh, this is from my heart to yours. I'm a woman that has overcome the power of depression through my entire uh, life, through alternative methods, some traditional Western medicine methods, and this show has three different parts to it. Sometimes I will interview a guest that I believe is a leader in their space, that has a powerful story that can help transform your life if you are in that industry professionally or if you're thinking about getting into that industry and uh, giving you some practical tips and strategies for those hard, difficult days that you will experience. Sometimes I feel spirit-led to talk about topics that in my faith system, I believe the creator of the universe puts on my heart to speak with you specifically about And then sometimes I have a special episode where I release original music that I've created that I believe ties in nicely with one of the individual topics. And today I was doing praise and worship dance this morning, just listening to some YouTube gospel music playlist. And the creator was giving me verses and clearly spoke in my heart Aaron, I want you to talk today about being a role model and the ultimate role model. So uh, one thing that I really like and I desire this year, especially to learn more about alternative faith systems um, outside of the one that I grew up learning about, because I believe in unity and I believe that if we can find things to tie in to bring us closer to one another, um, that can bring more peace across nations, across communities and cultures and whatnot. And if you come from a different faith system and you're listening to this, if there's anything that rings true for you and you say, oh, that sounds really similar to this scripture or this virtue or tenet that comes from my faith system, we would love it if you would share it with us so that we can learn more about your faith system as well. Um, For those of you that grew up in my faith system, Uh, growing up reading the Bible and whatnot, uh, the scripture that was given to me is in 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. I'm reading from the NIV version. 1 Corinthians 4, 11 through 16. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. 
We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. So when I have these spirit-driven episodes on the Move Happy Movement podcast, I don't pre-plan it. This is completely from the spiritual realm. Whatever comes out, uh, this is what was supposed to come out. So keep that in mind. I might bunny trail on stories a little bit, but my ultimate goal is to help give you some golden nuggets that you can take what you like, leave what you don't, and hopefully by the end have enough knowledge, stories to empower you to move towards your own happiness by maybe shifting your behavior in some capacity. So the topic of role models and imitating Jesus Christ or maybe imitating a leader from your faith system, that is that is the ultimate. That's the topic for this for this episode. And the first thing that came to mind was actually going on a hike with my dear friends from back home. Uh, we actually met the first time we met in this college and career group uh, that was a youth group or like a college age group um, with uh, some veterans in it, some active duty soldiers in it. Um, I was in college when I was in it. Um, he was, I believe, working as a general manager of McDonald's at the time or just after that. He might have been in college. Um, he and um, his buddy, I had met them and we hit it off as friends. Like it was like a brother uh, to me. Um, and we started hanging out outside of the, the college age group. Uh, we would go to Pat and I think, I think Pat's wife's name was Janet. I remember their last name was the Allens. We would go to their house once a week and we would have a spaghetti feed and we would each that could bring side dishes and Pat and his wife would cook us this meal. Um, we would have some, some sort of scriptured focus to talk about. And then we'd break off into small groups and study and practice and teach how we could apply those lessons to make our communities a more wholesome place. And so it started off meeting there. And me, of course, with my passionate self for music. I was getting into the karaoke scene and whatnot. And um, I had invited them. A bunch of the guys lived in this one house that I think one of the guys owned from the military. And uh, some of the ladies from the group, we would all hang out over there sometimes. And they like I remember one time I had to, uh, my starter wasn't working in my old Honda. And so the guys offered to fix it for me. They were watching a <laughs> YouTube video and uh, fixed it for me. They said, ah, just cook us a meal and we'll be good to go. Like those are the kinds of friends we all need in our lives, right? And uh, these particular friends, uh, two of them, uh, they became a couple. And uh, we were 
at this point, it was probably a couple years into their relationship. We were hiking in this place called Poopoo Point in Washington. I can't remember what city that's nearby, but it's a beautiful hike. If you've uh, not been in that area before, I really encourage you to do it if you like a little bit strenuous hikes. It was pretty steep, um, maybe a couple of miles. I don't think it was too, too long of a distance, but the elevation was pretty high. And I remember discussing with them how we identify our faith. Um, what they had shared with me was really hard to hear because we all we all connected through this this Bible study group, and we're called to love. We're called to not judge. We're, we're called to encourage one another and whatnot. And um, he had told me that the pastor had a private meeting with him, and basically shamed him for his choice in homosexuality. And it was hard to hear because this was a friend of mine that I cared about. and We spent quality time together. We were volunteering in our community and whatnot. And um, it was difficult to hear because this was someone that was a friend to me. And he was discussing how the pastor was basically telling him that he needed to either change his lifestyle or leave the church. Those were his options. And he brought up a good point. He said, well, what about all of these guys that are sleeping with all of the women in the Bible study group? (laughs) And I was like, oh, you called him out on that, did you? And he's like, yeah, because there's so much hypocrisy. And he's like, it just didn't make any sense to me how my lifestyle was any different from their lifestyle. He's like, I still believe in God. I still believe in loving others and being an honest citizen and all these things. And I said, you know, you're right. I said, I don't know that situation. Like, who am I to judge you for your lifestyle? It's not how I, let's not, I'm not attracted to women. Like I, I'm a traditional, I would say heterosexual woman, uh, but I respect your choices. And it's hard for me to say, wow, like I would never banish someone from being able to join in faith. And it was hard to hear that because my choice of what I understand in our faith system, in the traditional Christian theology, I go to the two commandments that Jesus was asked, what is the most important out of all the laws? He says to love, love God with all of your heart soul and mind and to love your neighbor as you love yourself and don't I believe don't have any other idols before me so that's how I've chosen to live my life as best I can I'm not perfect by any means but I knew that I would never fully conceptualize every single verse that's in the Bible because there's a lot there's a lot of information there's a lot of stories And I believe if we all chose to love more and to assume the best more, to look for the good more in others and to find things in common, that a lot more peace would take place. A lot more life would be transformed. I saw it within my own patience where this whole Move Happy thing first began. Patience that had been written off 
they didn't think that some of these patients were capable of much anything because uh, one in particular was in the program, I think all three rounds, at least the first and the third. He's, he, because he was in the first round, I, I asked him if he could step up as a leader and write the page number on the whiteboard because sometimes patients would miss class for a variety of reasons if they didn't have their... Maybe they didn't take their medication that day, and so they were on the ward, they were on ward hold, or they had um, exhibited self-harm thoughts, so they were on suicide watch, or they had to go to court, and so they missed class for our group therapy session for one day. So they would get, um, sometimes they would get lost in what page we were on and start little silly arguments with each other about which one we were on, and it was something that would help me to help keep us organized and also to spread out the responsibilities a little bit, delegate a little bit for me to make it easier so that I wasn't doing everything myself. I asked him to step up and do this one thing. Now, what that caused him to do, because I believed in him, I saw his potential and I knew that this was a skill he was capable of even though he couldn't verbalize coherent thoughts, somehow I knew that he could do this thing. I'm not sure exactly how, but I trusted in my intuition, and I'm glad I did because he then took the role seriously, and he became a leader within the group. So then he would write the page number and the journal prompt. And... Then he started stepping up and speaking out and sharing his responses more when he wasn't sharing before, which I thought was the neatest thing. And that is an example of love in a platonic format because I trusted in him to step up as a leader within the group. I saw the goodness within him, the potential that he could be, So then he started opening up within the group and started sharing and responding more. And that was when I really realized uh, the negative effects of the drug abuse that he had chosen for uh, however long. He wasn't that old. He was maybe mid-20s. His thought patterns, his, his speech did not make any logical sense. But he did have the cognitive ability to keep us in order of which journal prompt. So he was able to do some things, but the the staff wouldn't have known that if they only paid attention to what he was verbalizing, uh, which which was neat to see him stepping up also encouraged other patients to believe that they could step up into leadership positions as well. So then they started realizing that Aaron needed help within the group. (laughs) So then another patient uh, started passing out the journals and collecting the journals at the end of each day. Another patient was passing out the pencils. And by the third round, uh, one patient that was like super negative person, every day, um, didn't participate the first seven days, actually said out loud in front of everyone, this is a dumb group, none of this is good, like all kinds of bad things. Uh, But after seven days of uh, not participating, apologized to me, told me 
that he was impressed with the group, something shifted within him, and then he started becoming the advocate for all of the people in the group that were maybe quiet or other people would interrupt and speak over. He made sure that every single person's voice was heard within the group. And it was neat for me to to witness that because I did my part. I created a space, a safe space for them to feel welcome, to share on topics, to help. My goal was to help bring them towards happiness and to create a safe and fun, positive experience around fitness and exercise so that when they transitioned out of the group and perhaps transitioned back into society, that they would want to select activities to move their bodies because of the positive experience from my group. I didn't force them to do anything. I let them make their own decisions. That to me is a form of love because I knew the power of exercise on our mind through all of the studying that I had done in college um, and through my upbringing, um, being with homeschooled until 11 years old uh, with a mother that practiced daily walking. So we would walk and we would do homework assignments We lived down the street from a funeral home, and she would do little math lessons. So we would be figuring out how old people were when they passed away. We would walk in the funeral, um, in the, uh, what do you call it, in the cemetery. Or we'd walk in the neighborhood, and she'd say different things to get us interested in mathematics without realizing that we were (laughs) doing lessons. Mom was extremely creative and out-of-the-box thinking, and I transferred that skill set when I created the Move Happy group therapy program. And each time it wasn't just me creating it. Um, this was this was a full community effort. Um, I'm so incredibly grateful that the staff, my boss, first of all, trusted me enough, uh, allowed me, she gave me the names of leadership to reach out to, to ask them to be my checks and balances for this program to make sure that I was held accountable, that it was safe, um, age-appropriate, that the language in the materials would be acceptable for the patients because I was new there. I barely knew their names at that point, but I knew I wanted to give them something back because of how kind they were to me when my dad died. Being a role model imitating something that is good is something that any of us can do. You don't have to be an expert in a space for years and years and years to step up and be a role model. You can do it within only a couple months of being in a position. It might take a little bit, though. If you are a group facilitator or teacher of some sort and you're wanting to start creating your own programs, it might just that first round, keep in mind that it might take a little bit to get people on board with you. I had um, one individual patient, the first round, uh, did his own workouts because his diagnoses made him pretty defiant. And I knew that if I tried to get him to conform to what we all were doing for the workout, that it wouldn't be fun for any of us. 
So I said, okay, if your treatment team is fine with you doing your own exercises, if you just don't mind um, during the journaling part, if you don't mind participating in that or keeping, keeping silent to allow other people to speak. So he and I had an agreement and it was fine. Um, he didn't do any of the same exercises as anyone else for the first couple of weeks. But then what happens with groups is that uh, the power, the synergy, the energy, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it does. Uh, he started to join in because he felt left out. <laughs> so he started to join in in walking uh, down the halls. Sometimes we would walk, sometimes we would do station exercises. Uh, when the weather started getting nicer, my goal was to get them outside at least once a week, if not twice. And I told them that and they loved going outside because they only had two fresh air breaks a day. So for them to have an hour outside or right around 45 minutes, it was a reward. So I started paying attention to what their desires were and helped to get more of their buy-in by letting them know that I was their advocate. I wanted to help them because it was all good things. <clears throat> the topics that we talked about were all related to helping them become happier, more wholesome human beings or reminding them of what is already true within them. We talked on different topics like kindness, compassion, exercises, medicine, uh, how anger is actually a healthy emotion and how to use anger healthily. Um, we had anywhere from 16 to 17 weeks. Sometimes a semester was a little bit longer. And with any program, if you're creating a therapy or you're creating curriculum for schools, <clears throat> what gets measured gets improved, whether you're working with a group or even individual one-on-one, -on -one, maybe personal training, for example. What gets measured gets improved. So you need to have baseline measurements for what it is that you are intending to measure. So my goals were multifaceted, both cognitively, emotionally, and uh, fitness-wise. So I had very simple pre-questionnaires, <clears throat> pre and post, to measure their happiness levels, uh, to get some information on like their age, their gender, their sexual orientation, like a variety of factors to see if the program was inclusive and respectful of all kinds of people. <clears throat> uh, we did very simple baseline fitness measurements that I had done in my teaching experiences and in graduate school, uh, being on a limited budget and whatnot. And when you do the pre-test pre before you give the information out, right, and before you do the training, then <clears throat> do a post-test that is the same exact questions. I learned that from we had, when I was teaching in the schools, we had a PEP grant, and so we had a third party come in and gave us some <clears throat> materials and whatnot, and we were measuring students. So I did the same kind of thing, but through my own questions, because they didn't have a big attention span, and I didn't want it to be like a study where I was like, you know, studying them. I wanted to make an impact. So I wanted the measurements to be quick, simple, 
so we could get to the content. So it was like a one pager for the fitness baseline tests. And it was like a one pager for the happiness questionnaires. Um, Cause I looked online to see if there was anything available and there either wasn't anything available or it cost money. And I didn't want to charge the hospital any, anything. So we started doing it. And that first semester he the the patient that didn't want to do any of the exercises with any anybody we'll call him Stephen so Stephen was a pretty defiant individual and you might have a Stephen in your family or you might have a Stephen in your classroom that is just that one person that challenges the norm right we love those kinds of people because if you're a professional and you take pride in your work you don't want it to just come easily to you you want to make sure that this is this program, this group, this therapy, this curriculum works for everybody. Or if it doesn't, like be able to figure out, okay, this isn't good for this kind of population. So he actually spoke out loud what I think a lot of people were concerned about, which was, I'm not going to fill out this survey because you're going to use this data against me and I'm going to lose my fresh air breaks. I looked at him with my eyes wide and I was like, first of all, thank you so much for feeling safe enough to share that with me in front of the whole group. It sounds like you've had some people take advantage of you in the past. I know you don't know me. I know I'm pretty new here. My intention with this program is to create something that will help you desire to want to exercise when you get out in the real world again and a safe space for you to learn how to be happier. That's my goal. In order for me to measure if this thing works, I have to get your input because if I'm only measuring from my perspective, I don't have your lens, your experience from being a part of the group. So it's up to you if you want to fill out this paperwork If you don't, it's not required. It will help me to make the program better, though. I promise you, because I'm going to take your feedback from it. We're going to do this questionnaire before we start the program, and we're going to do it one more time at the end. Maybe if there's time, we'll do one halfway through about at the eight-week mark. And he's like, oh, okay. And nobody else questioned. Everybody started filling it in. But they weren't sure yet, right? It took a minute for them to fully trust me because many of them had been taken advantage of through a variety of bad apples, right? There's always bad apples in any job. There's always really good apples as well. And when I say apples, of course, I mean human beings, right? That either take their job seriously or they're lazy, I heard the statistics in choir in high school from Mr. Krauss, who I talk about all the time on the show. He said 80%, 80% of people are followers. There's always the top 10% that will always lead. They will always do the right thing, and they help to move the direction of the other 80%. And there will always be 10% that are negative, that will be against any good idea, be in the top 10%. You get to choose which section you're in. And this person was not in the bottom 10%. He was in the top, but he had been burned so many times 
because people didn't understand his diagnosis. He helped me to keep myself accountable, and I'm grateful that he was in the group. So at the end of the first round, um, got patients' feedback. I did my own reflections. I met with Sayaka, my colleague, that helped to co-facilitate it, who's a licensed mental health therapist. And my boss, Sue, came in a couple of times and observed lessons. And she was telling me how the conversations were going in the managerial level because she would go to all these management meetings and all of them were talking about this Move Happy program. By the second round, we had to move to a larger space. We actually had the largest room on the treatment room floor. And it was a fun contest that all of us staff members (laughs) would compete. Like, who's going to get the biggest group? So Sayaka and I were in the largest room on the treatment room floor after only facilitating it one time. And they actually asked us the second semester, we had a couple of days to uh, chart notes and to prepare for the next semester. I think we had two days without any patients. And during that time, we had our first meeting back. Um, Think of it like you're starting school. And if you have, like, if you're in college, if you ever worked in a college or you worked in a high school setting, they do it more in the secondary and upper grade levels. But students have the opportunity to change classes if it's not the right class for them. So kind of have that mindset. So patients also have their own choices within, is this group therapy class going to be good for me? Now, she's talking to our whole, all of us staff that work in the treatment mall and a couple people that meet in our group but then go on to the wards for whatever reason, I think because they were under the recreation department or whatnot. I'm not sure exactly how it worked. But there's probably about 12 or 15 staff that are in this meeting and she says in front of everyone, um, Aaron and Sayaka, uh, we actually have two more patients that need to be placed somewhere. Can you expand your group? Do you mind expanding your group? Because we can't schedule it without your permission first. I looked at her and I was like, what does this mean? She goes, they want to send us more people. Say yes. I was like, okay, yes. So that meant that we had to work a little bit more. Um, I did the chart notes for that group and then she and I um, did a mindfulness-based cognitive therapy group. She charted the notes for that group. So that was just how we split it. We decided. So they actually maxed our capacity two more spaces above what uh, our contract with the state of Washington was. I didn't mind it because that told me that there was interest. Staff members were sending patients to our group. They knew whether it was just like a little snippet, one sentence they could see. I don't, I don't know exactly what they were able to see, but they saw the name of the group and there was like a couple of words. So we had to be extremely intentional with how we described what the group was. And this was still a new thing. This was only the second time we were about to facilitate it. Being a role model means that you have to walk the talk. And it wasn't easy showing up to work every day 
the year that my divorce had finalized and the year that I lost my dad unexpectedly. But I was intentional in that I, I desired to be more joyful. I desired to give of my gifts because I knew that that would help me through my grieving process. And I'm so grateful for the space that I had to heal and to grieve. That was probably the best place. If you're going to lose a parent, if you're going to go through a divorce, if you're going to go through something hard, the most compassionate place to work, working in a therapeutic environment. So I'm grateful where I was at in life when all of those terrible things were going on. I couldn't change my circumstances, but I could show up to work with a great attitude. And what helped me have a great attitude so that I could be a role model to those patients was to plug into things on my way to work and on my way home from work. Because I was crying a lot. Like, I'm going to be real. It was not an easy time for me. When I was alone, I was crying on my way home from work on the days that I didn't have um, customers in my car from Lyft and Uber. Because it got to a point where I, I knew I needed to take emotional breaks. And... Working on, working on and focusing on building out this Move Happy Group therapy program was so incredibly healing for me. Have something in your life. If you're grieving, if you're feeling depressed, sad, if you've lost someone, have a project that you can focus on in your area of genius. Maybe it's building something. Maybe it's creating music. Maybe it's volunteering with kids. Have something daily that you can be intentional on at least 10 minutes every day. I guarantee you it will help carry you through the storm. Contribution is one of the greatest healing agents and when you are able to contribute to others you then become whether you like it or not you become a role model to your peers or if there are younger people watching you you become a role model to younger people I'd say older people as well, but older people have a lens. If they're older than you, they have a lens, a perspective of wisdom. And they might even step in and help when they see that you're doing good, encourage you. That was one of our patients was in the first round and the third round. He's, he was from the security space professionally. He had told us he was responsible for anywhere from 150 to 200 staff. C-level executive, but he also was a U.S. Marine veteran. I knew because I seen his tattoo on his arm, and we talked about it one day. He made sure that all of us women were respected because there were some men. Uh, we had to line up the patients twice a day um, 
in order to escort them back up to their wards halfway through the day. So we would pick them up in the morning for group therapy from each of their wards um, uh, because everything was double locked doors and whatnot. So we would escort them down for group therapy and then back up for lunch break. And then we'd escort them back for group therapy in the afternoon and then back up. And sometimes during the time where they were in line waiting and doing roll call and everything, sometimes some of the men were disrespectful to us staff, like whistling, catcalling, things that happen out in society. But because they were patients of ours, we didn't have a lot of room to say much because we knew that they had diagnoses of mental illness, so a lot of us would just ignore it. But he actually was so irritated with the disrespect of us women, so he would snap at them and say, that is a woman. You don't speak to her that way. And guess what? They shut up and they, <laughs> he started getting them in line. He never forgot, I think, his, uh, his level of respect for women and his, his uh, leadership position experience, right? So he brought that to the hospital as a patient. And I'm grateful for him because he was a part of the Move Happy program. He was also a part of the mindfulness class when uh, he got to hear me be authentic and cry about losing my dad and I took a day off of work and then I was back because I needed to make money I didn't have sick leave built up and you do what you got to do to survive in life so he made sure for whatever reason he decided to kind of take me under his wing and encourage me and when I started the move happy program he started talking about his time in the military and some of the exercises kind of brought him back. And I remember he started telling stories to the group of how he was talking to his uh, roommates up on the ward and getting them to exercise along with him. And he started getting excited about fitness again, whether he was honest about it or just trying to encourage us, I'm not exactly sure. But I do know that he helped keep me going. And that's when you get into a space where you are deciding to take the lead in something, whether it's building a program, whether it's leading in your church, whether it's being a manager, a new manager in a, in a job situation, you need people to have buy-in within the group that are going to support you. And how do you get their buy-in? Well, one of the things that worked for me, um, being a role model is giving the authentic energy and verbalizing that you don't know it all, keeping yourself humble. By expressing my intention to the group the first round and letting them know how the data was going to be used and letting them know that I desired for the program to be better each round and how powerful it would be if they gave ideas and I implemented those ideas. I said, that's something that if you follow through with your words, people start to believe in you more. And being a leader that follows through with what you say you're going to do, people remember that. And then they tell other people about it. So word started spreading around the hospital that I was this move happy girl. And... It was beneficial to me, it was beneficial to the patients, and it helped ultimately to land me an opportunity to earn a promotion within the hospital that my boss told me no one in 30 years was ever interviewed for without a license in therapy. 
I earned that promotion. They paid me because the woman that hired me was the head of the psychology department for our hall. She went to bat for me because unfortunately there was legislators that voted against it. Even though I was hired verbally, I worked the role, I went on vacation, I came back and they had shut down an entire hall. 60 people lost their jobs that day. And I was in the middle of an engagement. We were in about like we already mailed out the invitations and everything and this was like we were expecting this money to be a part of the wedding plans and whatnot and so I asked her I said you know we were expecting that money for our wedding is there anything can you help me out so she started emailing people at the state on my behalf and made sure that although on paper it never showed that I became a psych associate, she and I shook hands on it. I worked in that position for a couple of weeks, and she showed me, she emailed me copies of all the emails she sent to the state to let me know, Erin, I'm doing my part. She was a really cool lady. She was from Montana. She got her horses and everything. Sometimes she'd bring them, bring them into the property because she was in the middle of going out somewhere for the weekend or whatever, and she was cool. She was real cool. She encouraged Sayaka to speak up more, to be a more confident woman. And I think she liked that I wasn't afraid to take initiative and whatnot. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't in her power when these legislative people that had the political power to control whether or not we had this hall open, it frustrated her. It frustrated a lot of people, Um Kara, the gal that trained me for my position that was going to move up to this new role working with high-risk patients, she was like the greatest trainer I've ever had. She made this whole binder for me. Everything was like good to go. We did training during our work day, uh, split shifts, so that we didn't have to cost the hospital any money. We made sure we made it work. A bunch of women stepping up to support one another, to help take care of the patients, that's what we did. And then we all lost our promotions. We lost our pay because political people decided that they weren't going to support mental health again. And I, what I learned about it, because I was still new in that position, I was only there for about 12 months, but I worked in the school systems and I knew that it was hard for teachers, for school districts to get budgets and funding what I didn't know until working there was that mental health was even below the education system. So to be the ultimate role model in a position where you don't have much financial resources, it takes being extremely creative, out-of-the-box thinking. Um, I was able to add more value to that hospital because my boss believed in me because I gave her the confidence that I could have checks and balances of accountability. And I told her I wanted to add a program that would benefit the hospital, that would not cost the hospital any money through my creative genius, because I told her that it would be healing for me. I didn't desire to be known by everyone in the hospital, but that's what happened. I, I didn't desire to be put on a pedestal. 
by anyone in society. But because I've been authentic, sharing my perspective, sharing these stories while keeping HIPAA laws respected and keeping names private, it has elevated me in a position of being a role model for mental health. And there have been so many times where I have desired to just give it all up because because of the attacks of people that don't know what it's like to walk in my shoes the attacks of people that have jealousy in their hearts that have ugliness and poison in their hearts that have paid thousands if not millions of dollars for other people to be elevated to higher positions and are frustrated that the creator of the universe has put his favor over me. I continue to keep myself humble because I have never asked to be above anyone. I just desire to give more love in the world. Going back to that hike on Poo Poo Point with my friends. I don't think that I'm better than anyone. In fact, I know that I'm not. But I knew. I knew that the judgment to my friends from the pastor at the church was wrong. Because anyone that excludes people and causes division is not of the Creator. I believe that if we are called for greatness, if we are called to be good leaders, that no one will be harmed from our leadership. When good leaders are in power, word spreads like wildfire about you in a good way. And you don't have to have any money to back you up on the story. When I was working at the hospital, I also was a part of a direct sales company. And that was my second year into the business. I started in March of 2015 with the business. And so I started at the hospital, I think, late September of 2016, because my father passed in October. And so I was a little over a year and a half in this business, learning how to operate a smartphone, learning about um, taking care of my customers, following up with my regulars, treating them like VIP, um, learning about how to meet with new customers and how to post a little bit here and there while also working a full-time job, while also driving for Uber and Lyft. Um, this 
company didn't pay for advertising. The leadership believed in creating a culture of winners where everyone helped everyone. I learned most of uh, social media initially from this this group. They focused primarily on one social media platform. And their philosophy was if anyone reached out for help, that you helped them, whether it financially benefited you or not. And... I did lose some relationships because I was too obsessive about uh, trying to make money and not just getting handouts from people. Um, So I had to learn to curb my language. I had to learn to shift my obsessive personality a little bit. Um, But I'm so incredibly grateful for the role models within that organization. To this day... There are many leaders. I, I mean, what's the value? What's the price of the value that I got to sing in the house of the number one income earner at one point? Like, you can't really put a price on that. All of the connections, the associations that I was able to connect with. Now, revenue-wise, I didn't quite get to that point yet, but I don't think the creator desired for me to make all of this money because in order for my my story to be powerful in order for people to see that there is no way around it, that the creator of the universe has his hand of favor over my life. If I were to make a bunch of money in the process, then there could be other stories and other versions told. But I believe I have been called as this role model for mental health and being a part of this direct sales company in my first quote-unquote adult business experience I was supposed to be a part of this this particular team now there's bad apples everywhere as well as well as good apples being a part of this organization I decided to take a leadership position that same year when I worked at the psych hospital And I decided to apply to be an ambassador with my boss's permission to be an ambassador for happiness and be a happy wall host for the International Day of Happiness that is um, on every single calendar in the world recognized. It's um, every, I believe in March, like around the 23rd or something like that. So in addition to creating five alternative therapies, I also applied for our hospital to be the first psychiatric hospital in the world to be the host for the International Day of Happiness. And my boss loved the idea. I explained to her that we would be doing this and we it wouldn't cost the hospital any money, that this organization actually will pay our local brothers and big brothers and big sisters chapter $1 for every intentional kind act card that we get the patients and staff to fill out. And I said, um, there is one thing we have to mail in these cards to them to authenticate that there's human beings. So in order to protect, you know, HIPAA and whatnot, 
Um, I don't want the patients to write, obviously, their addresses and their full names, but maybe we can use, like, code numbers or something to protect their privacy. And she was totally for it. Um, we got the approval of the CEO of my hospital because I sent a personalized email to the CEO at the time. She's actually now a politician in Washington State. But it was a bunch of women stepping up believing in something greater for our community because if you're not familiar with big brothers and big sisters it's a mentorship organization that's been around for like a long time Uh, my dad was a big brother in the 70s before he met my mom and what it is is it's a partnership so you have to be at least 18 Uh, they like mid-20s or older um, adults and they match you with a child all anywhere any kid uh, all the way up to 17 years old once they hit 18 they get dropped out of the program and they try to match a boy with a boy and a girl with a girl Um, there are so many boys though that don't get matched that they now are bending the rules and allowing a mother that has boy children to be matched with a young uh, male child that needs a mentor um, because they're going to be mentored from someone in their communities but oftentimes these mentorships are not good for them because they're either in gangs or they're getting into mischievous things and they're teaching young children that it's okay to steal or sell drugs, right? So this pro- this organization, this nonprofit organization is intentionally trying to transform communities. And so this this live happy group uh, financially backed a free event that's hosted on every calendar in the world. And they were going to pay our local community for getting our patients and staff to intentionally write kind acts that they were going to do. Like, I will spread happiness by and then fill in the blank. And my boss loved it because it brought in positive PR for the hospital. The CEO of the hospital absolutely loved it. And she said to me, Aaron, I think you should connect with so-and-so from PR from the state of Washington about this event. So the head of PR, and I didn't even know what PR was. (laughs) Like, this is how ignorant I was. You can be, you can step into a, a, a role model position without knowing all the terminologies. People desire to help you if you come from an intentional place of desiring to bring love, peace, kindness, goodness, self control, all of the fruits of the spirit. If you desire to bring in more harmony and unity people will help you and they did so the head of PR for Washington State took photos of course we had patients wear masks and things we got their permission we got their written permission Um, there was a few patients that wanted to be featured in the newsletter that got sent out to every single state employee and there was like 119,000 Washington State employees at the time and they put my photo in there as as the person that initiated this thing and I was like no I want the whole team to be in the photo because we did this together and they said no Aaron we need the leader that orchestrated this that's you and so all of these all of these good things were happening all of these good things that were Things that I initiated, but I really was carried through from the staff and the patients that were so supportive and encouraging of me. And and I know that I had guardian angels protecting me emotionally that year. 
because that was not an easy year to get through. And earning that promotion was like, yeah, wow, God, you can do anything. You really can. And I kept believing, speaking the words from Joel Osteen or Les Brown or Tony Robbins or Oprah Winfrey, Joyce Myers, all of these people I was listening to, Jim Rohn, who's passed away, uh, but my dad trained under him in the 70s and whatnot. You can be a role model of goodness and light, or you could be a role model of darkness, and I desire to bring people together for good, for good purpose. And I believe that we all have darkness and light within us, but which part are we going to fuel? And when I lost that promotion, it was, it was a really dark time because not only lost the promotion, but then the fiancé really uh, stopped believing in us. Um, his father had passed away shortly after my father did as well, and we stopped going to church, so that was like a shaky faith system, which I, didn't, I wouldn't have known until, you know, going through that. If you are in a relationship or you've been in a relationship where you, th- you thought that their words were true about whatever belief system they had and then you go through a real-life experience that lets you know the truth, uh, you're not alone in that. I experienced not as bad as what some people have experienced, but there was domestic violence in the home. And I was financially in a bind in this situation because divorce is expensive and then I rushed way too quickly into being engaged and won't won't do any of that ever again being a role model means that you take full ownership for your circumstances you take full ownership for your life where you are at the choices that you've made, the choices that you have not made that maybe you should have, and decide moving forward what you're going to do differently. When you're clear on the direction and intention of your future, it's a lot easier to make decisions day by day, step by step. And what I'm learning through listening more to leaders that I respect is learning less to design my future, but to allow the creator to, de- to design it for me. I never would have imagined being, earning this promotion in this hospital, thinking that, oh yeah, I'm going to run an entire ward, I'm going to be responsible for their psychological well-being, it's never before done before, and then losing it, right? How, going from there to, that was in 2017, we're five years later in 2022, right? Yeah, five years later. And I've only been sharing, honestly, about Move Happy, the brand, as a business since 2018 when I moved across the country. 18 months later, we had Deepak Chopra, Ariana Huffington, the Kennedy Foundation, Johnson & Johnson. These, these organizations reached out to me for my network because of the work that I had intentionally been focusing on while working full-time, doing it on the side, leaning in to this purpose that the creator of the universe had called me to do. And since then, writing more music, 
Uh, now in 2022, I have 16 alternative therapy programs that I have created in the space of mental well-being to help people of all ages be empowered to find happiness from within. Found out two years ago that I am in the running. I'm in the nominations for being potentially one of the global ambassadors of mental health for the United States of America. You can do anything that you set your mind to. I didn't add myself to any said list, but because I have been called to this thing and there are these political games of people that pay lots of money for their powers to be in power, I have been digitally attacked, stolen from. I have had hit put on my life twice now that I'm aware of, maybe even more, and I probably will get more uh, of those death threats. When you put yourself or when the creator puts you in a leadership position to be a role model for others and you are fighting against darkness, you come against all the powers of darkness, but what the darkness doesn't realize is that the light is more powerful. You can have one candle and it lights up for miles. People can see it from miles away. One little candle. Imagine when all of us light workers start rising up and working together around the world. What that's going to do to darkness. You can do incredible things even without financial resources backing you. I haven't had any business loans. I haven't received any grants launched not one business, but three businesses and have been continually been attacked from people that have a lot more financial resources behind them. Why are they stealing from me? Because they know that the creator has called me to something great. And whether they're consciously aware of it or not, They don't want me in that position because that means that some of their darkness will lose. Many of their dark workers will be put in prison or will not be on this earth anymore. It's not up to me to decide that. That's the creator's job. My job is to bring more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control to the world be a role model to children and adults that you can live a life that you're happy with. You can help others through your gifts. You can create music without any professional studio and have it be shared around the world in the top 10% category out of 2.4 million shows. Because lightworkers have banded together to help support the cause, the call. And it all started from one simple program in a hospital in the middle of a ghetto area with lots of crime, with patients that committed murders, stabbed people, all kinds of things. The most least likely people helped to form the foundation and because I kept my word and I implemented their feedback and we kept improving it and transforming it 
now it's so much bigger than just my brand, my business. The creator has called me as a prophetess recently, and it was hard for me to receive that. But who am I to question what the creator puts on us, labels us? You have been called to something great. How long are you going to sit in idleness, wasting away? What if you didn't wake up tomorrow and all of those dreams and ideas and intentions that you had in your past never come to fruition because you doubted in your abilities? The Creator doesn't doubt anything within you. You have to speak aloud what you believe for yourself. And in order to believe in yourself greatly, you have to demonstrate that you do love yourself. The greater love you have for yourself, the greater capacity you will have to love others. I'm learning that daily as a practice. The greater you forgive others, the greater you will be able to forgive yourself for mistakes in your life choices. I am so incredibly excited to finish out this year strong. The creator of the universe gave me the word for this year, which is fierce. And I, boy, have I had to be fierce. I've had to love fiercely my husband when we separated because his story was that he wanted a divorce. But when I really realized the truth was that he was protecting me from all of these crazy lies that political leaders have decided is going to be the truth that they share around the globe. He fiercely loved me and was protecting me, but had to lie to me about the reasoning so that I wouldn't be involved in it. But the, the political parties that are opposing my family pulled me in anyway. They got my bank account shut down through illegal means, through personification, which there's laws that are out there that demonstrate that it it is a felony to personify but there isn't a lot of people that fully understand the language behind it or the severity behind it um, but if one of the top income earners in the world is buying out a social media app to be able to to share the truth success leaves clues Start waking up. Start paying attention. You can be a role model for good. You can be a quote-unquote role model for good and create a narrative that you believe over time is the truth because you've lied to yourself so many times and you've lied to society so many times that now you believe this lie as truth. But real truth never changes. 
It just gets more details. And when you love people, even those that have wronged you, like Jesus loved, Jesus actually was the ultimate role role model, I believe. Because he, on his deathbed, while he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. His persecutors were a part of the design in order for him to die and then raise himself through the grave. Death could not hold him. He had to use it all, the good and the bad. And the same is true for all of these digital thefts that have been going on. I had been so frustrated for so long, and then I finally reminded myself of the truth that, Lord, if you're allowing these these thieves to steal from me, you must have a greater purpose. And so then I stopped caring as much emotionally about the thefts, about the blocking of the emails to Ivy League professors that had sent me their resiliency book and wanted to be a part of the research of the therapy program that I designed this year out of nothing because the creator has put favor over my life. When I learned to let go of the outcome and to allow the creator to be in charge of it all, to fully be in charge of it all, that has been so incredibly freeing. I believe without a shadow of a doubt the creator of the universe has designed me to create a trillion dollar business. The value is, is over a trillion dollars. And that's with a T, not a B or an M. That is why I've been continually being stolen from from these political parties because they desire to use the money, the funds for other reasons. It's easier, as my former business mentor, PhD in ministry that put the hit on my life told me it is easy for a rich person to steal from a poor person. She told me that is what they do. They don't create new inventions. They just take from those that have already created it. But the creator of the universe is in charge of it all. And I believe wholeheartedly I will be given back a hundredfold because it is in the scriptures and I was directed to read it the other day. I will be given back a hundredfold for the sacrifices away from my family, away from other things I could be spending time doing by staying the course and believing without seeing it physically evidence as real that is what true faith is when you have been called into a position to be a role model for others I encourage you to make sure that you would make your own version of yourself as a child proud if you question any of your behaviors and you wouldn't want to include your own children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren in the process, then chances are you're doing something that maybe you should change. And that is the powerful thing about being a human is that you're not a tree. You don't have roots in the ground. You can change in a moment how you behave.
It's why I'm incredibly grateful to have met a homeless veteran in 2020 when I was experiencing digital theft, when I was uh, fearful for my life from retaliation when first responders messed up and did not provide a mental wellness check to the person that I was dating that planned with intention and started acting out his plans of killing his own mother. I'm grateful that I met this homeless veteran while in safe housing in a state of residency that I did not have because I was in the middle of a pandemic. I'm grateful that he saw something within me that I didn't see within myself and he trusted in me and he helped me even with things that I didn't know how to verbalize I needed help with every single detail he made sure was taken care of people that have depression have a difficult time asking for help especially when you're in your low state because you have these lies that the enemy speaks over you that you're not worthy, that you're a burden. Those are lies, and you have to verbalize your truth, that you are a child of the Most High King, that you are chosen, that you are worthy, that you are loved, and that you are enough. I literally am reading from a sign that's on my wall. (laughs) But that's true. You are enough. Just as you are, you have everything within you that you need to succeed and to take you to the next level. I have one question to ask you that I want you to think about. And then I'm going to wrap it up. What is it? that I was called to do. I want you to think about that. What is it that you have been called to do in your life? That is your area. That response, whatever comes through, whatever response you hear from your mind, what have I been called to do? That is how you should spend your energy, your space, your time, your actions every day. And if you are a parent, encourage your children to pray that as well or to have meditative time asking their deity, what is it that I have been called to do? And to allow them that space to practice and to be intentional in that activity. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on role modeling and being being a, a mentor, being an imitator of something greater than yourself. Hopefully we added value to you today. Hopefully you learned something. And take what you like, leave what you don't. Uh, whatever that most stood out to you it mean the world to us if we added value if you would screenshot the part of the episode and write a couple sentences and post it on social media share it with a friend that you care about and most importantly 
Uh, remind yourself of that part that stood out to you that touched your heart. Maybe write it in a journal for yourself. Journaling is really effective in keeping a positive mood. It's There's a lot of empirical research on journaling and a lot of successful leaders, including former presidents, uh, do it. So success leaves clues. Uh, if you have been listening to the show for a minute, we're doing a listening room experience. That's a contest. It's free to participate. Um, all you have to do is get our attention. Um, share it on social media, write reviews on iTunes, or comment positively of how you're taking the, the nuggets, the knowledge, and applying it to your life to help us spread the brand Move Happy around the world. And as a thank you from us to you, um, we're hosting a private concert experience now. Since 2020, I've been experiencing digital thefts and it came uh, clarity of mind and thought this year of who uh, initiated it all. So when the Judas in our circle corrects the wrong, apologizes in front of our top level leadership with me and my husband in the room, um, that will be our okay to move forward and start um, initiating this contest again and start posting on social media again. Until that moment, uh, we will not be posting anything on social. We do have an automated Twitter thing that happens when we post the podcast episode, but other than that, we're not gonna be posting on social uh, because the creator told me not to and I obey my deity. But until then, uh, learning about the listening room experience, essentially it's a private concert experience where you get to hear original music from moi, and I will also invite some of my musical connections that I have met along my journey or friends that I grew up with and whatnot. You might be thinking, well, who does she know? Why would I want to listen? Well, we did have last year, we did have a previous Super Bowl performer from the U.S. Air Force Thompson Blue Group. We've had finalists from Team Christina, Team Blake, um, an actor slash singer from the TV show Nashville and was also on, I want to say America's Got Talent. We've had a singer that her original song made it onto the CMA Awards in 2020. And we've had a professional harpist. We've had a professional bagpipes player that actually works with Carnegie Mellon and teaches clinics all over the nation for first responders are really big in the firefighters um, category on bagpipes and whatnot. So there's all kinds of musicians that are stepping up. My uncle trained under Pavarotti is one of the world renowned opera singers. So all kinds of musicians and we continue on because like attracts like. You hang out with people that are musicians if you're a musician yourself and uh, it's just like a fun little private concert experience. Just It's a thank you from, from my family to yours. That's, that's the desire, that's our intention. And the first level uh, invites 10,000 downloads and, and then we'll probably have more uh, because I just, I love to sing and perform and love to bring people together. That's one, one area of my calling. And so you can actually access our downloads at any time, 24 seven on a computer or laptop. Just go to the movehappy.podbean.com. That's T-H-E-M-O-V-E-H-A-P-P-Y.P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. And you can see where we're at the downloads. It still don't, don't make no sense to me how we're in the top 10% across all categories of all podcast shows. And there's over 2 million shows in the world. It doesn't make sense because the downloads 
some shows have a lot more downloads, but they have a variety of factors that they do the ranking system on. And because of people like yourself that have listened, have shared it, have commented on iTunes, it helps to boost our, our, our score, our rating in the world. And I actually was invited earlier this year to be a coach on a stealth platform that they had not even launched yet. And they were going to pay me to coach other professionals in the world through my area of expertise. They reached out to me because of my ranking, but their offer to pay was not actual money. It was gift cards, which to me was questionable because I want to know where the money's coming from so that I'm not involved in any money laundering because I'm very intentional about protecting this business that the creator has put in my heart. And so I turned it down politely, but I was grateful that they reached out to me because I wouldn't have found out the ranking otherwise. So you can start something out of nothing and have opportunities be sent in your direction. So that was one of many opportunities I've had, excuse me, I've had, and I believe that the creator will bring me more opportunities in the future. And I'm trusting in my intuition and uh, through our, our musical releases, my husband and I uh, will discuss uh, if, if there are some spiritual songs that you'd like to use in your church setting, um, you can reach out to us for permissions. Um, at this time, we cannot receive any financial donations until we get a new bank account opened up after the political contract. People have uh, broken many laws and somehow through their political power got my nonprofit bank account shut down illegally. So we're still gonna continue on pressing forward as the creator has told me to do because I don't do it for money. I do it because the creator told me to. And I'm obedient. And I'm going to leave you with this. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Whatever your faith system is, we encourage you to lean in towards it and to be a light worker. Be intentional. Find other light workers to work with and help make your community a better place. The more love and unity we have in our communities, the harder, the more difficult it will be for the darkness to expand and to grow. Love you guys so much. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we'll see you next time.